0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We're given an unbelievable opportunity here to not only play football, but now play against the highest quality teams in our conference um,
1: off the rip. We're, we're excited for the challenge and we'll be ready to go. It's a great opportunity for us, for sure. You know, our guys are excited. The one thing that they did not want to do was play you know, a schedule that was not going to have the best teams in it. They want to play the best teams. I want to coach against the best teams. Um, that's why we all came to Nebraska. We didn't. We didn't come to Nebraska to, to, to play a bunch of games that weren't going to matter. We came here just like every kid did to play in the big-time football games, and that's what we got right away. So it's an awesome opportunity for us as a defense and as a team.
2: The way I was brought up, uh, not only as, a, as an athlete, but as a coach as well, is, is, is spot the ball, put the ball down, let's play the best of the best, and let, let's do it all the time. We, we knew who we were going to play.
3: Uh, we'll know where we stand, better come out ready to go, and uh, that, that would have been the same no matter what opponent we played in this league. Uh, I don't think that there's one that you're going to go, okay, Oh, we don't have to get ready for these guys, so uh, we're going to work hard, we're going to get ready, we're going to go out there and play the best that we can
2: all right welcome here to another edition of the Husker online show sean callahan robin washett nate klaus let's play some football guys it was nice robin um we had a chance this week to talk to nebraska coaches and players actually about football and games and practice um you know obviously there's still some COVID things going on with testing and protocols and that's going to be a story all year long but i really felt like this weekend this past weekend was when it really started to feel real for me watching the sec play, um, seeing Texas, or not Texas tech, Mississippi state take out LSU. And, um, then the Kansas state went over Oklahoma. It finally felt to me that it was back. Then you had Monday night football with the chiefs and the Ravens. Um, and, and then obviously now the big 10 is putting on the shoulder pads and going at it, um, with practice, um, and you heard the coaches and players there talk about the schedule. I mean, that, that's going to be the story all year long. How does Nebraska survive, navigate, get through uh, really this treacherous first four weeks of the 2020 schedule? You don't know how excited I was to talk about
4: setting the edge with the outside linebacker position or the the young safeties and defensive backs that are, have been impressing during workouts or how Nebraska is going to generate a pass rush, actual football conversations were had on Tuesday and will be bi-weekly for the next three weeks on into the start of game week. So that in itself is worth a celebration now. Obviously, there's work to be done between now and then. Uh, not only just in terms of getting ready to play after not putting on pads for ten months, basically since their last game in November, uh, but also to the day-to-day, week-to-week um, battle and process that's going to be keeping your team healthy from the coronavirus to where uh, you know you're el- eligible to play and you know can avoid any sort of massive setback. So uh, we're still walking a very fine line, but. I agree, Sean. This weekend felt like the first normal fall football weekend that we've had yet, and I desperately hope it continues.
3: Yeah, to, to be able to hear about you know the the upcoming game plans or how practice is progressing and, and the battles that are taking place in practice instead of, um, you know <laughs> what the national media is saying about Nebraska because they want to play football. I mean, is that's totally refreshing, and and I think. I think everyone—you can just tell—everyone's got got a little bit more, you know, maybe a, a brighter outlook on, on everything, and is uh, maybe a little bit more energized because there's actually something on the horizon instead of just a bunch of speculation right now. So, I mean, that that right there, I think is is uh, really exciting, and um, you know, every day that passes, we're we're one step closer to actually seeing
2: seeing some Big Ten football. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Guys, one of the things, though, that is going to be different is that this preseason is just not going to have a lot of hype for a lot of different reasons. Um, the media is not around the players daily like we are normally. Um, we're not going to see anybody in person. Um, you know, The interviews are going to be very controlled over Zoom. Um, so just the hypometer that we've been always used to back in July and August where everyone's really pouring it strong drinking the kool-aid sharing fall camp scrimmage nuggets and practice insights on the board to me it's, it's gonna still have a different feel um, and, and maybe that will be better for this team I feel like sometimes expectations preseason would get not out of control but a little out of control where um, guys might be reading their own press clippings well in this situation this year you know Nebraska is going to be a significant underdog in at least three of their first four, if not their first four games, the Northwestern game as well. There probably or could be a dog out there. It's hard to say. A lot will depend on what Nebraska looks like. But um, it's just a completely different position that I've ever seen Nebraska football in going into a year Knowing that you're going to essentially play arguably the number one ranked team or one of the top ranked teams week one, which really hasn't been done at Nebraska, maybe since some of those early kickoff classic games against Penn State and the 80s and uh, what, 82 and 83. They played those Penn State games, Uh, but you, you don't see Nebraska open up with a game like this very often. So to be fair, now, the last couple of years,
4: we've seen what, like a grand total of like an hour of practice during fall camp with like the, the but media. more other
2: people that would get in like right, right. ex players, parents. So compared to previous
4: years, when all practices were open and the, the floodgates opened of hot takes and probably uh, over analysis, uh, that necessarily wasn't the case. A lot of that hype and those expectations were set by the players and coaches, particularly themselves, uh, with the glowing comments about someone how you know they look you know light years ahead of where they were, and you know this is, is going to be a significantly improved unit, and I uh, got a bunch of jets on the on the runway ready to take off. <laughs> you know th- that I think was what stood out as much as anything about that Zoom session was with the three coaches with Jenander, um, you know, and the, the Fisher and uh, the Dawson. They kind of tempered talk about their guys. They they expressed optimism. Uh, I think they like the group that they have, but they also weren't going out of their way to you know puff guys up a little bit and, and maybe make things to be uh, a little bit shinier than maybe it is right now. Because I think they understand the challenge they have just getting their own selves ready. But like you mentioned, that challenge out of the gates uh, with Ohio State and then the next three weeks. Uh, that's about as daunting as it gets, and so I think you need to keep your team motivated, but yet humbled, and kind of toning down the praise you give your team. I think is a smart move going forward.
3: Yeah, I think it's kind of kind of uh, you know two two edges to that. Not only are you toning things down and, and keeping your team humble, but I think you could also find a little bit of an edge out of out of doing that because you know that no one's coming to watch your practice. You know that. Um, you know, you can kind of control the message through these, you know, through the media with these zoom calls and everything. And, um, you know, you can, might be able to catch somebody by surprise here. If there's ever a time where you could be flying under the radar, I think this is probably that time for Nebraska right
2: now. You're listening here to the Husker online show as Nebraska put on full pads, uh, half pads Wednesday. I believe they go full pads Thursday of this week. Um, And that will be another transition, just every team really only getting three, three and a half weeks of full padded work, um, where normally you might get five weeks, six weeks uh, of full padded practices um, over the month of August, along with the spring. So um, the fundamentals and how you go about it, mixed in now with daily testing controlled by the Big Ten Conference and We know what this is doing to our country. You saw Notre Dame. uh, They're battling cases in the NFL. A game has been postponed this week already with Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Um, So you you just hope the Big Ten protocols and strategy, Robin, uh, that they have in place are going to work.
4: Well, it was interesting. JoJo Doman kind of laid out just the the daily uh, process these guys have to go through where before they're even uh, allowed to walk into the facility, they have to fill out a survey about, you know, any symptoms they might be having. They have to get their temperature taken. They have to uh, sanitize their hands and make sure they got a mask on. And that's even before they walk in the door. Uh, then they go through that, and obviously there's the, the – just social distancing protocols and all that stuff that's going to be put through. And then after practice uh, around dinner time, they do their daily antigen test, uh, so that they have the test results ready before the practice the next morning. So, uh, I mean, this is a whole new, uh, <laughs> series of responsibilities and tasks that these guys have, but ultimately, I mean, that is what is going to define this season and the likelihood of being able to play anywhere near nine games in nine weeks is the personal ownership these players take on doing everything they need to be doing, not only to play football, but to stay healthy and avoid high-risk situations uh, and avoiding any scenario where you're going to put yourself at risk to not only sideline yourself but potentially sideline your entire team.
2: All right, when we come back, uh, one of the things we we hit on is energy and and gaining juice in empty stadiums throughout the season. That's going to be one of the challenges. We're going to discuss that next and more. You're listening here to the Oscar Online Show.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Good teams are, are kind of led by the
1: coaches. Great teams are led by the players. and some of those guys that have had a lot of experience for us need to take the next step and and just give us some great energy some great leadership and i want to have fun out there i want to be demanding i want to be full speed i want to get everything we can out of everybody but i want to have fun too and football is a fun game and when you're playing really fast and you know what you're doing um, once they let us get pads on we're hitting people once that stuff all comes together that's where the fun comes to me but we have to feed off each other's energy
2: and we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Ronald Washat, Nate Klaus. The segment here of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. Make sure you come on in and visit our newly remodeled Lincoln location. Uh, all new TVs, new bar, new cha- chairs, new tables, new floors, new everything. Um, so get on in to Tanner's. It is your premier lincoln sports bar the best wings in town um, and it is a great place to watch college football action as we gear towards that start of husker football Uh, but guys you just heard uh, eric Chenander talking there about just one of the challenges this year and i teased it coming into the break Um, there will be no fans at least regular fans there might be parents and family members into these games we know bands aren't going to be there. Cheerleaders aren't going to be there. Mascots aren't going to be there, at least as of now. Those are the guidelines put out across the Big Ten. Um, it, it's just going to have a completely different feel. So that's why, and, and Robin, you watch a lot of NFL. Nate watches a lot of Major League Baseball. You guys have watched a lot of football, baseball, and empty stadiums all year, and it's been different, and you know, going on the road, doesn't really have the same challenges that it normally would um, but you know creating that energy especially in football not necessarily baseball but football that that's going to be a big thing that teams are going to have to figure out.
4: Well, football, probably as much as any, is such a gladiator sport. You know, I mean, like you feed off that energy of the crowd to where, uh, I mean, it can make the difference in the play. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's just the crowd noise element of, you know, disrupting the offense, but just the emotional fuel that gives guys, you know, for a big moment in the game uh, to be able to step up and make a play. I mean, that that's why guys play is, is for that rush. And when you eliminate that, that changes the entire dynamic of the game. I don't care – uh, what level you're at even if you're the you know bunch of hall of famers playing in the NFL uh, it's it changes it and you have to really look within yourself like Eric Schneider said to to find that energy and create your your own juice so to speak and for these guys that are going to be taking the field on October 24th none of them have have gone through this they've never played a game in front of uh, an, an empty stadium uh, at least you know basically since they started playing real organized football so how they handle that will be just as big of a factor as you know game planning or anything like that because whoever is able to kind of compartmentalize what you're doing on the field and maintain that focus uh, and be able to execute despite how weird everything is uh, is going to be a huge difference, and that's going to separate some teams from others. And um, you know, with NFL, uh, you, you see guys are able to kind of pull within themselves, and once that ball actually is snapped and kicked off, I think they can kind of default into their their programming where they become football players and, you know, they they understand what they're supposed to do. College is different, though. And it's going to be really interesting to see how much 18 to 22 year olds are able to handle that, you know, totally uh, brand new element that no one before
3: them has had to do. Well, I I know I'm eager to to see that. And we've I mean, just on a in a normal year, you can tell the difference between. You know, a seven o'clock night game and an eleven o'clock kick, and in, in the and how the players are are acting. I mean, there's a buzz in a night game, right? And and it seems like the energy level, of the players prior to to uh, the tunnel walk and everything during warmups, everyone's got a little extra juice, and and in those some of those, you know. Sleepy 11 a.m. kickoffs, you know, sometimes it seems like players are kind of dragging through warm ups, and, and maybe there isn't a whole lot of energy. crowds get there late. Yeah, crowd, yeah, the crowd gets there, you know, right before kickoff. Whereas in a night game, I mean, they've they've got the stadium packed, uh, you know, an hour before the kickoff. So, um, you know, there's a difference in a normal year now. Take all that away, and, and you're right, I mean, they're going to have to find that motivation or, or, or extra focus to, to really kind of to get that uh, energy level up and, and to kind of maintain that because there aren't going to be those crazy swings that a, that a crowd can kind of give you and energize you with.
2: And I'll be curious what Nebraska does like as far as built-in bells and whistles as far as crowd noise and what you're allowed to do. Um, can you create crowd noise to disrupt a defense? I mean, I know in the NFL it doesn't seem – Uh, like you you see teams doing that as far as like loud noise I mean the cadences that's one thing when you watch a pro game right now Um, those quarterback cadences are unreal and you're seeing a lot more offsides penalties because of the cadence especially for visiting teams where typically a visiting team might have to be on a silent count
4: yeah I don't really know what even NFL teams are able to do as far as like pre-snap obviously it seems like the crowd noise is pumped in like reactionary, where you know they wait till the end of the play to mm-hmm. either put a and it's a, pretty bad sometimes a murmur or a cheer. <laughs> and and if you're in some cases out. like the Eagles, they'll uh, pump in uh, booze to boo their own team off the yeah. field. I and mean, so well, we'll see if Nebraska does that. But I'd imagine they can still you know play music. You know, I'll, hopefully we can hear some stand up and shout on a key, <laughs> key third yeah. down. Mm. Totally kidding on that. Uh, but you know, I mean, it's going to be some something where there's there's going to be some noise but when it comes down to it
3: you know on those pre-snap plays uh, it's going to be totally different than anything they've ever experienced well yeah and you're not even going to have you know the band playing um, yeah. I mean that's that alone I think is going to be a little bit different and I, I'd kind of I'd prepared myself to that I wasn't going to hear stand up and shout this year so <laughs> if they do end up playing it um, this might be like the one season that I would actually you know kind of like to hear
2: that. I wonder um, if they'll try – remember that Irish anthem think song that – Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was uh, like – Killigans? Yeah. It had Killigans. wealth. It, it it had good thought behind it, but – I like it. Nebraska fans, to, to actually sing and follow the words on the screen right. to a tune that they're not familiar with.
4: Yeah, Nebraska's been trying to find like a third quarter, fourth quarter break song. Remember they <laughs> – it was uh, let me clear my throat they brought that guy in for the concert remember they brought him
2: in for the it was probably the first concert that guy did in like 10 years and he came he did one at the fan day or whatever a bunch of students
4: watching him that weren't even born when that song came out yeah Yeah. so I mean (laughs) They've had good intentions and you know, brief moments of coolness, but that's still a work in progress.
3: Yeah, Nebraska fans are really good at carrying on traditions. I don't know how good they are actually <laughs> starting new traditions <laughs> because you're right. I mean, They've been trying to, to find something that works and something that kind of catches on. And when you try to do something new inside Memorial Stadium, it's like everyone's like, what? What's going on? What is this?
2: There's a le- level of seriousness and kind of stiffness and stress at a Nebraska game that no a Nebraska doubt. fan experiences, where when you go to like Minnesota or Wisconsin, it's party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not co- even watching the game completely. Yeah. Wisconsin <laughs> is unlike any place as far as the crowd engagement and right. the way they can sing and I mean, literally sing like hardened songs and get them like the killer song from the killers or. Whoever. sweet caroline remember um, when they brought lee greenwood in to sing the national anthem i do
4: that was post 911 that
2: yeah. that was um that's like the only time they've had a guest national anthem singer cuz the band typically
4: didn't they have that kid uh the yodeler yeah the yodeler kid that was for spring guys. oh okay that's the I'm band yep.
2: yeah cuz <laughs> yeah. the the national anthem is part of the band's that's right. um Free show yep. and gotcha. so that's untouchable like you can't you can't uh, put in a special singer f- for the band but yeah, it will be interesting to see just how they can make this look better because it's not going to be easy. Um, and I mean, I'll be curious too, guys, if there's just going to be people kind of milling around and walking around the oh, grounds, peeking in the fence. And- now, there's
4: no tailgating on campus, so you have to go across the the street or whatever. So all your your typical right around the stadium lots those would be empty but people are going to walk around try to have as much of a game day experience as they can i'm sure they'll go to a bar go to the bars walk around the stadium but won't be any food to eat i would be shocked
3: if there weren't some sort of tailgates or some sort of gatherings taking place underneath the overpass on the 180 as you come in yeah yeah i mean there's going to there's definitely going to be people. The Journal Star lot, I'm sure. Exactly. There's there's going to be people around. If the city allows it. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many, but I, I guarantee you there's going to be people milling around and, and people out there for sure. It's
2: going to be a good year to have an office in Old Father Hall.
3: Yeah. Yeah, there there yeah no kidding.
2: Those yeah. top-level office guys, they, they'll they be able to watch right from out there. Could, like
3: rent that out if you have an office in there. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> Make a little money on the <laughs> <We'll>, side. Yeah, <laughs>
3: A <laughs> little black market deal there.
2: All right. Well, when we come back, uh, we are going to shift to Nebraska basketball. Rob, had a chance to catch up with a few players this week. Uh, we'll hear more on that and details about the tournament that will take place in Lincoln. You're listening here to the Husker
0: Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show.
2: Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, uh, talking Nebraska basketball as – we know they're going to start around Thanksgiving. Um, Robin, And you teased this last week. We found the details out the day of tape. Um, but fill our listeners in a little bit more because you obviously are going to know about as much about this as anybody right now. Um, more details, please, on the bubble tournament that will take place in Lincoln.
4: Well, unfortunately, there's not much to report on that. I can say that the contracts for the potential teams uh, that would be playing in the tournament have been sent out. Uh, now it's a matter of getting those signed and returned, and then the other big hurdle is uh, establishing the third-party entity that will eventually take over control of operating this whole tournament. Because uh, you know Nebraska is not going to do it themselves, uh, so they need a one of those outside you know multi-team event companies that basically puts those on to kind of take the reins and and you know take it over from there. So that's still in the process. Uh, you would hope that there'd be more information, um, some solid foundation stuff uh, coming out over the next at least week, uh, just because we're closing in on the start of the season. You'd like to know what your schedule is going to be. Uh, but for right now, uh, last I've heard, it's still very early in the process. So was, time will tell on, on just how far that gets.
2: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Let's talk like Nebraska basketball, Robin. And you did get a chance to speak to a few of the players um, on a Zoom interview session here this week as – they transition into their preseason practices because, you know, it feels like we're in August, but we're in October now. And, you know, their their game is less than two months away when they begin uh, playing What was your big takeaway, just getting a chance to, number one, kind of get to know more players? Because that's kind of been an ongoing theme the last few years in Nebraska basketball, a new roster, new names, new uh, roles. What did you take away from the session?
4: Well, one of the guys was a pretty familiar face around here, uh, Teddy Allen, uh, and then the other one was uh, Kobe Webster, the senior guard. Uh, And so those two guys, there was no Coach Hoiberg or anything like that. It was just the two players. But when you pair uh, the selection of those two guys um, as kind of the representatives for the very first preseason pre- <clears throat> I guess press conference, if you want to call it that, plus the fact that they were the two player representatives chosen uh, during Nebraska's uh, you know Black Lives Matter thing that they did a few weeks ago, it really speaks to kind of their positions in terms of leadership on this team. On a Nebraska team that, like you said, is brand new and is still trying to figure out those types of roles. Like, who is going to be your vocal leaders? Who are going to be the guys that are going to lead the way in practice on and off the court? Uh, and so right now, it looks like Teddy Allen, Kobe Webster are very much in that conversation, if not two of the top leaders on this team, just by nature of the positions they've been put in. And uh, other guys that, you know, Teddy Allen mentioned, Derek Walker, uh, who sat out last year, the Tennessee. transfer from Tennessee, uh, he's probably one of, if not the best vocal leader on the team. And so, you know, they have, I think, a good core of veteran players. That's kind of the trade-off you get with transfers. Uh, you get old in a hurry, and they have a lot of juniors and seniors on that roster that have played a lot of basketball, been through the grind before, not together, but, you know, on their own respective paths. And if they're able to kind of gel just as a cohesive unit, you know that that experience and that leadership appears to be there far more so than it was a year ago in that hodgepodge rast- roster.
2: And I hate doing this, but to steal a PJ Fleck analogy, I mean, you look at last year, Robin. And he he called his first year a year zero, and and realistically, this is really year one for Fred Hoiberg when you look at the time that he had to put together that first roster at Nebraska.
4: Yeah, I mean, especially when you have you know Thor coming back. You have a of rope coming back. You have uh, three sit-out transfers all coming back. So, I mean, there's at least some returning continu- continuity within that roster, and that's a big deal. I mean, last year it was Thor and Deshaun Burke, and that's it. And everybody else was brand new. Everybody was trying to do their own thing, and it never worked. So uh, that's kind of the, the difference between that year's last year's team and, And this year's team, in the sense that not only are they a a veteran experienced team, but they have guys that have actually been here. They spent a full year uh, in Fred Hoiberg's system. They understand uh, how things work, you know, in practice and in games. And so that, I think, is just a a big step forward in itself that should help them. You know, I mean, there's not much further to go down. uh, Take a step forward this
2: year. Robin, give me your starting five today.
4: Well... That fifth spot is one that I don't know yet. but right And then a lot of it, too, depends on Trey McGowan's uh, the transfer from Pitt. He obviously has applied for uh, a waiver to be immediately eligible this season, and the way that those are being granted over the past month or so, you really like his chances. Uh, but, again, it's the NCAA, it's a waiver, and it's Nebraska. And it's Nebraska. So <laughs> you know, hold, hold your breath on that. But uh, if he is eligible, uh, I've got Delano Banton, Trey McGowan, Teddy Allen, Lat man. And right now with that fifth spot, I'd like to say Ivan Wade Rogo uh, just because I mean he played a ton of minutes last year. Uh, he dropped twenty, twenty five pounds off his frame. He's a more explosive, dynamic athlete than he was a year ago. Uh, but then you also have Thorier Thorby and Arson, who is your' by far your most experienced big Ten player on the roster who was by far your best three point shooter last season. And so, I mean, I think there's other guys. Obviously, Derek Walker, we mentioned, uh, will have a say in that. So I think they have a lot of different combinations. Quality seven. Those first four, I think, are, especially if Trey's eligible, uh, as close to being locks in the starting lineup for me right now. And then it's just a matter of, Maybe who they play and you know who really shines over these next few months of practice.
2: And then we, we were talking about this off air uh, in state non conference rivalry games and in their chances and a big storyline this week was Louisville and Kentucky kind of having a squabble about getting that game scheduled and Kentucky was being very high maintenance and difficult but finally agreed to a date that worked for John Calipari um, to to get the game on the calendar. Now Creighton and Nebraska Robin. I don't get the sense either side is really too eager. I'm sure Creighton would, too, but do you get the sense Nebraska would be okay if they didn't have to play Creighton this year?
4: Well, I mean, Just considering the teams right now, probably. Uh, but a lot of it just has to do with uh, you know how the schedules are shaping up right now because we talked about Nebraska trying to play that uh, multi-team event here in, in Lincoln. Well, Creighton will not be a part of that because they're already uh, you know, signed on to play in that, I can't remember if it's Atlantis or whatever, but it's playing at Sioux Falls at the Pentagon. So they're going to do the
2: Sioux Falls thing.
4: Yeah, that's still on. and so. But
2: Duke's not going
4: there now. Yes, yeah, so Duke's going to do its own as well, sounds like, uh, in Durham. So anyway, uh, they're going to have – you know those are three probably of your, assuming seven allotted non-conference games, uh, plus the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So there's four. So that leaves three open games on the seven-game non-con schedule. That Nebraska should have to kind of do with what they want, and then it does. Creighton, you know, they they have other games they're playing as well. uh And so, I think they're playing Kansas this year in Lawrence. And so, I mean, they already have a pretty daunting uh non-conference slate. So, we'll, do they want to maybe fill the rest of their schedules out with some buy games, maybe some home, get some home games? Uh, so, uh, there's a lot of issues. We don't know the fan element. Yet. Yeah, there's a lot of issues to be determined, but. You know, if there was a year for them to put that series on pause, this might be it just because of the logistics involved in trying to figure out a schedule on such short notice.
2: When do you think we'll know the fan element?
4: Right now, I mean, I wouldn't anticipate there being fans. I mean, obviously, especially if the the Big Ten is making the decision – you know, they're probably not going to go out of their way like they were with football to open things up. Uh, Especially indoors. But that can change, obviously. I mean, when you're talking about going past November, they're not going to start to November 25th. As we know, a lot can change from there with just the whole coronavirus situation. If progress is made, uh, even on a month into the season, maybe they'll open things up for the bulk of conference play.
2: All right, when we come back, we will take
0: your questions
2: in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: Uh, just keep playing and keep balling and be, be that defense that we always designed to be. And the only way that that's going to happen is energy. So everybody energy from the sideline, energy on the field. Just coach been emphasizing energy this whole this whole offseason. So that's what we need this sure. year, just energy.
2: And we're back here on the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. That was Deontay Williams, who is a 24-year-old fifth-year senior, uh, but technically could have two more years of eligibility at Nebraska if he wants. He could be a seven-year college player um, at Nebraska if he applied for a 6 year and then got his other year back for this year. Uh, But most do expect Deontay Williams, um, if he has a good year, to, to, to move into the NFL, as he might be one of Nebraska's best defensive backs. But, guys, let's get right to it on the mailbag um, lots of questions this week. Um, one, of the, one of the better ones is about bowl games, uh, two, two-parter. Are bowl games confirmed now that all Power Fives are playing? And then two, how many wins with the new schedule qualifies bowl eligibility? Uh, well, what I can tell you is there are no requirements at all uh, for bowl game eligibility. So you can make it regardless. Uh, my question now is will the conference – have oversight of that or will they let the bulls select who they want to select Um, because obviously scenario b helps nebraska a lot more um, no doubt because of the schedule they're going to face they may only get three or four wins um, which could put them in a dicey situation uh, to to get a bull spot Um, but you know a lot of these bull games are going to really want nebraska especially if fans by that point could travel
4: yeah, and I just don't see the Big Ten trying to keep its teams out of bowl games. I mean, that just seems kind of well, there's
2: ten Well, say there's 10 partners and 14 teams. I guess. but that, so, That's what I'm saying. Like, will they say, okay, these are the 10 teams eligible to go in Rutgers, Nebraska, and, you know, like, I mean, but, let's hope we're not discussing but even, that. But
4: even, I mean, the fact that it is Nebraska and the draw of Nebraska football, even if it's a two-win Nebraska team, is going to be significantly higher than a six-win Northwestern For television team. ratings. That's what I'm saying. And so as a bowl, why wouldn't you want to, if you have the chance to pick Nebraska and get all those viewers and maybe even fans, I guess depending on where things are, uh, this seems like a no-brainer to me. And for the Big Ten to say, no, you didn't win enough games in this crazy season that we made even crazier with our stupid decisions, <laughs> that seems like, uh, you know, I guess I wouldn't put it past the Big Ten at this point, but it seems dumb. So... Yeah, uh, I, at least we can rejoice in the fact that as of now, Nebraska is bowl eligible for the first time since 2016. Yeah, I I would be completely, sh- <laughs>
3: I'd be completely shocked if if the decisions when it comes to bowl games weren't purely financially driven. I, I just they have to be at this it, point. It, People are just scrambling to make make back any of what exactly. they've lost. So I mean, that's what I'm counting on, and <laughs> until I mean until. We we know otherwise. I I mean, I I think that's that's probably the the smart bet.
2: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, taking your questions in the mailbag. And one question: Where's Ethan Piper factor in the line discussion? I know at one point people thought he could win a starting job. Today, right now, he doesn't sound like a projected starter. Where's he at? And you know, I think Ethan is a guy with great versatility. could be a backup center to Cam Jurgens is going to be in that rotation or contention at guard. Uh, but I would think a majority of his reps from what I understand today are at center, uh, but we know he can play guard too.
4: Yeah. And just having guys like that is so valuable. I mean, when was the last time uh, a Nebraska offensive line made it through with all five starters through the course of an entire season? I mean, so you're, you're going to rely on that depth and having a talented young player like Ethan, that you can get him experience uh, without, a overly significant drop off from one to two uh, seems like a a pretty good luxury to have that. And again, we talk about how much better Nebraska's offensive line is guys like Ethan Piper are a big reason for that, that there isn't this massive drop between starters and backups to where if one guy goes down, it throws everything off. I think they actually have depth and they have talent coming up the ranks to actually establish a quote unquote pipeline down the road.
3: Yeah, and, and I think if um, if Nebraska hadn't made the move to make Ben Hart the left tackle and move Farniak into guard, we might be talking about Piper pushing for a spot at, at one of those guard positions. But uh, like you said, Robin, I, I mean, having, having talented depth like an Ethan Piper or a Brant Banks, who, and these are two young guys, I think – um, you know, that's that's pretty – it's a nice position to, to, to finally be in because it's been a long time since Nebraska's kind of had some guys like that waiting in the wings. And
2: to me, the biggest question is what happens if something goes wrong at right tackle yeah. Benhart? Who is that number two right tackle? Um, I, I believe that you could just see a Matt Farniak go back out to right tackle because your experience at guard is much, much better um, where one of those guys – you know gives you probably your better option to get quote the best five on the field Mm -hmm.
4: yeah I agree with you and so I mean even if it doesn't happen week one Piper's gonna have a chance man he's he's a good enough player that he'll be in the conversation
3: yeah I fully expect to see him play at some point this season Nate
2: uh, recruiting question for you Patrick Payton what's the deal there was talk about him flipping to Penn State Um, it's been very quiet on that front what do you know
3: well, yeah, I mean, what what we know is is pretty much the same stuff that we've been hearing. I, I'd say for probably about the last month now, um, especially when you talk with people that cover Penn State, sounds like like what they've been hearing is that the relationship between the Penn State staff and, and Patrick Payton uh, has been you know kind of taken up a notch or two and. and uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's a a, a decommitment that's imminent, um, you know, from him, but I, I do think that there's probably a little bit of a, a cause for concern, especially when you look at you know the the recent track history with uh, or track record with with a lot of those kids from from Miami. So we'll see what happens. I know that would be a, a devastating blow uh, at, for Nebraska in this recruiting class to lose a guy like that because he is a true pass rush specialist. Um, and somebody that's got you know basically everything you're looking for out of uh, impact outside linebacker that can get after the quarterback and that has the measurables that Nebraska likes, so on and so forth. So uh, you hope that they can they can hang on there, but we'll kind of see. Patrick Payton does not talk to anybody. So right now it's all just kind of speculation and, and what we're hearing through back channel sources.
2: <laughs> when you ever run into a kid like that in person someday, don't you know to be just say like, why don't you talk to anybody? Why don't you answer your phone? Like, what is the deal? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's amazing how a guy can just go. Dead quiet the whole way. One thing
4: I will say is there's a counter to that. You know, there's the guys that don't do interviews and don't get caught up in the recruiting hype, and then there are dudes that like text you to do an interview like about them. <laughs> hey, you want to talk? Those usually don't work out so well. So I've found there's a balance there between you know guys that are a little private and the guys that are a little uh, overboard to be in the public eye.
3: Yeah, and I think it, a lot of it True. has to do with where where you come from. Uh, I think. There's – I mean, for kids from inner city Miami to act this way and to be difficult to to get a hold of and to not really say a whole lot and so on and so forth, I mean, that's not very rare. And, um, you know, a lot of those kids, they kind of keep to themselves. Now, obviously, they're way different around their friends and their teammates and all that, but as far as, like, letting outsiders and people they don't know, like, in on what they're thinking and what they're doing and who they're talking with – Yeah, that does just not happen very often with those kids.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, one of the guys I remember that was really hard to get a hold of was Rex Burkhead when he was a recruit. He did not do an interview, and John Tallman was covering for the site back then. I remember Rex just said, hey, I'm not going to talk at all during my senior season. But as we got to know Rex, he was one of the best guys ever as far as talking to and dealing with as a professional, and now you're seeing it in the, uh, the NFL. And final question here, guys. Um, sticking in the secondary now on defense we've heard a lot obviously about DiCaprio Boodle and Cam Taylor Britt at corner but what about Nadab Joseph how intrigued are you to see what he can bring to the table and kind of knowing the history with these Miami kids do you think it's a necessity that they've got to get him on the field and engaged right away
4: I mean a lot of it just depends on how he uh, acclimates to you know this level that's the case with anybody but especially with uh you know someone that uh, is a little bit older how much more prepared is he going to be to be an immediate impact guy and i guess according to travis fisher uh you know he said the things have gone about as well as you'd hoped he said he's jumped right in uh with the rest of the guys and uh you know is really uh, impressed in what he's been able to do so far so i guess you know nate uh, i'm sure that that's kind of fallen in line with maybe what was expected of him when when, when he initially committed here
3: yeah i mean he's He's a big-time player, and there's a reason why he had basically an offer from everybody coming out of high school and why every team in the SEC and and down south, you know, wanted him um, even coming out of junior college, and so uh, Nebraska was lucky enough to get him, and And, you know, I I just think it's until we see him practice or hear, you know, how he's practicing a little bit more and and maybe even see him in live action in a game. It's it's always kind of hard to say, well, okay, he's your automatic day one starter, Um, especially when you're talking about some pretty good players like DiCaprio Boodle and Cam Taylor Britt, who have had, you know, kind of earned the right, I think, to to at least be called the the starters there at those cornerback positions right now.
2: Well, there's no doubt. And then you got Braxton Clark and Quentin Newsome, um, all guys that can play. Miles Farmer, we know, is a safety, but could end up being a, a guy that can do some damage in that secondary as well. So may, uh, make sure you, you stay on Husker line. We'll keep you up to date with fall camp, but we're gonna shift over now to recruiting as we'll close the show next with recruiting. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
2: It's been
1: tough for everyone in this pandemic. It's been tough for, um, it's especially tough for kids to leave home and, you know, get be homesick. And like I said before, to come here last year and to come to a game, you see the excitement of the fans, you see students on campus, you see the campus life. You get a chance to go to restaurants. You get a chance to see the city of Lincoln. And then the pandemic, you get a chance to – it's the total opposite. When you don't know, it's just the fear of not knowing anything. And at the, at that time, just not knowing anything, not knowing if it was going to be a football season, not knowing if it was going to be this or be that. It was tough. It was tough for those kids.
2: Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. That was Nebraska secondary coach Travis Fisher just – Dealing really with what he's had to navigate with, particularly, Nate, with these Florida kids that came in and three have left, three, four stars have left the program, Henry Gray, uh, Jaden Francois, and Keyshawn Green, all over this pandemic-filled um, you know, stretch that we've been in. And Lincoln, Nebraska, quite simply, is not Lincoln, Nebraska right now as far as what they were sold as with college football and active student campus life. And that's really the entire country. But for Nebraska, Nate, um, you know, it, more so than ever, it's difficult because y- you look at the population – It's the smallest populated state along with West Virginia in the Power Five. So that means if you drew a 500-mile circle, Nebraska has the fewest four-star kids around it of any Power Five in the nation. And that's tough. Um, And You're seeing it in recruiting, Nate, right now, um, how Nebraska continues to have to be creative knowing that they will not get a prospect on campus for a spring game, summer camp, or home football game this season.
3: Yeah, it's unreal. And those <laughs> getting kids on campus—that's what Nebraska bases their recruiting off of. They have to get kids on campus um, because that's when the perception of what Lincoln, Nebraska, is actually like changes. And uh, to not be able to do that is is very difficult, um, you know. And, and it's difficult as a coach too. Once you've gotten these kids on campus, and you know it's not what they thought they were signing up for in terms of. Uh, normal student life and and having football and so on and so forth you, you heard Travis Fisher kind of touch on that and and some of the challenges that they've had to deal with where these kids are coming from a, a completely different area different type of culture different type of day-to-day life halfway across the country to um, you know I mean it's a big hard enough challenge to to adjust to to move into to Lincoln from somewhere like Miami and then um, especially when, you know, your day-to-day life in Lincoln all of a sudden is completely different than, than what it normally is. So, um, yeah, it's a ton of challenges when it comes to recruiting and, and also keeping some of these newcomers on campus right now.
2: And, Nate, Nebraska, with that said, has done a very good job of kind of holding serve, keeping this recruiting class in a position where they can finish off, and now it's keep what you have knowing you're not going to get any of these kids to even come into a game uh, to see you in person anywhere, uh, even on the road. I mean, some years maybe a kid could slip into a road game and go buy a ticket, but the Big Ten, we know buying a ticket's not even an option right now, um, and that really wouldn't do much in the in the meantime. But the shift, to me, continues to be local. Um, there's a lot of things brewing still with James Carney, maybe something brewing with Avante Dickerson um, at Westside. Um, he's committed to Minnesota, but a lot of chatter out there that there could be stuff going on there, and, As you see Nebraska try to finish out this class, um, A, how many do you think they're going to try to get? I mean, it will be about 22, 23. And what do you think their plan is at this point?
3: Well, right now, I mean, they're sitting with 18 commitments. And and you mentioned a couple – Couple of local guys that are still very much on on the radar that that could eventually join the class. You know, let's say James Carney does get an offer, uh, I think he would accept, uh, and that would put Nebraska at 19 if they were able to to possibly flip someone like. Um, you know, Vontae Dickerson that would put them at 20. And and I think that we'd probably see them, you know, finish with a class right around 23, 24, or maybe hold a spot or two for transfers because there are going to be, I think, a lot of transfers. I think the transfer market in general is going to be very busy after this year so uh, we'll see what happens there but they i mean they're they're nearing the i mean they're kind of in that final stretch run right now where where they've the space is limited and they kind of have to be somewhat selective but uh, like you like you mentioned the you know the that pool of available talent especially Um, You know, when you can't get these guys on campus is is pretty limited, and so I do think you have to place an emphasis on you know somewhat local guys.
2: And the number could end up being twenty seven, is my understanding. Henry Gray, they've already been able to get a petition to count him, so they can get another one. And more than likely, Jaden Francois is the same. Now they won't get Keyshawn Green back because he was already in classes for the fall term. And once you go to a class starting in August, you count. Uh, But early enrollees with COVID. Um, that's helped Nebraska and then Isaac Gifford I I believe was able to count back now to the twenty-five number um because of just some technicality and some confusion on that blue shirt, but he's a twenty so even if they get twenty-seven, that would be interesting because you're right, Nate. The portal really over the next three to four years no, is going crazy. to be an absolute <laughs> and you can <laughs> fill in it's the
3: blanks. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. To see how how Nebraska manages that, because there's going to be a lot of names in the portal, and um, you know, and, and we've already kind of seen how that's changed the way you recruit. You you save a spot or two every year, almost, for um, you know to pull names out of the portal or or to have spots available if somebody comes along where. It's either somebody you you recruited, you know, in in a previous year or or all of a sudden there's a a player at a position of need that is uh, very much available and interested in you uh, in in the portal. So, I mean, that's already kind of been the case, and and now I think that's going to be even, you know, a greater priority, uh, you know, going forward here, especially over the next few years because there's going to be a lot of names entering that portal, especially – with the eligibility status, with nobody, you know, really using a year this year, I think that's gonna. It's gonna. Teams are gonna have to thin out their roster, and, and, and players are gonna move on, and uh, so there's gonna be a lot of free agents, so to speak, here over the next year or two.
2: Yeah, Nate, and you had a chance last week to go out and, and watch Thomas Fedoni, and, and maybe the, the biggest game he's had of the season as far as opponent wise against Glenwood. Um, it's the second time, I believe, you've seen Thomas play this year. Um, what are you seeing? What do you like about what you've seen with Thomas Fedoni?
3: Well, I mean, he's a competitor, first and foremost. Um, you know, he's he's clearly by far and away the best athlete on the football field, which is saying something because, I mean, Lewis Central themselves, they've got, you know, a handful of D1 guys on their team, and Glenwood was a very good opponent, but I mean, he still takes it to a whole nother level. There's nobody that can really stop him or slow him down. Um, I love the way he, he competes every play, though. Whether it, whether he's got an opportunity to catch a pass or not, he's he's going to full speed. Um, you know, if it's a run play, he's blocking. I think he, he probably had four or five pancake blocks on the perimeter um, the night that we watched him. And and in the, in Glenwood was kind of based, you know pairing up their best player, kind of uh, syncing him up with with Fedoni, kind of shadowing him everywhere, and and Fedoni still dominated. He had six catches for 115 yards, a touchdown. And um, you know, just it, it, he's he's impressive in every in every way, and and I think that's something that you'd like to see. You'd like to see somebody who's not only physically gifted and, and kind of plays to that uh, plays to that level, but also I think the effort and, and the, the the way he competes is what really um, you know excites me about his future.
2: Well, it'll be uh, another busy week, Nate. You're going to go out and and watch James Carney. Um, I'm going to get out to a game as well, and. That that has been you know one of the nice things about this season for us, we've been able to see so many more games. I think I've been to seven games over five weeks. I think you've been to the same. Robin's been to five games. So um, just getting out and seeing um, some of these guys, and even being able to circle back around and see a guy a second, a third time, um, it, it's it's made it's one of the nice things that we've been able to do this year is really get to see these kids play.
3: Yeah, we've seen a lot of football, and, and like you said, we've not only been able to see them just once, because every game is is not created equal. So there's some there's some some duds out there uh, where, where guys will only play in the first half or whatever. So it's been nice to be able to, to get out and see guys multiple times.
2: All right, well, uh, make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com as uh, practice is underway in full pads, so we'll have complete coverage of that as well as we'll get multiple days a week where we'll talk to players and coaches as well as – coverage here throughout the weekend of different games that we are attending
0: thanks again for joining us this week on husker online your authority on nebraska athletics